You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. You know, I just have to say it is just fun to be on this side of you. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing uh, to just have space to, to hear you sing a little bit. And typically, I'm sitting out here and it's just a, it's a gift. You've been a gift to me today. Uh, we're going to continue a, like a 40-part series in the book of Acts today. And so this is part two. And so if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we, we started uh, this journey. And it's really the, the birth of the early church. And so it's the church in the early days. And we talk about the book of Acts is really like the 30 years from the ascension of Jesus. He's got a life, a ministry, a work to do. And then he looks at the disciples and he just says, hey, continue what we've been talking about. Like if you've received grace, give grace. If you've received love, give love. If you've been empowered by my spirit, don't just know of that power, live out of that power. And then he goes up into heaven. And the disciples are just like waiting. And we know that they're waiting because then a voice comes and says, hey, like, go and be about these things. And he's going to return, but today is not that day. And then in chapter 2, that's all chapter 1. And in chapter 2, we get this account where Luke, who's the writer of this book, is telling us about this special day called Pentecost. And we all have special days in this room today. Days that mean a lot to you, even though they might not mean very much to me. And days that mean a lot to all of us together. I mean, I don't know when like Easter rolls around, if you ever feel like I'm just going to skip Easter this year. Like pretty central and crucial. Like, oh, it's my birthday, I'm going to just, I'm not going to RSVP to my birthday this year. So we're going to do this year all over again. No, like there are days that are important, and Pentecost is one of those days. And Pentecost is the day where we celebrate the coming of the Spirit. We have to say something about this, though. We're not celebrating the day that the Spirit showed up. Because the, the Spirit has been working and moving from the very beginning. So if you remember, way back in the book of Genesis we hear a description of the world that it's two things. It's formless and it's empty. In the original language, it's this really fun thing to say, tohu wabohu, formless and empty. And what happens? The spirit is hovering in that place. So if you've ever felt empty before in life, it's good to know that the Spirit hovers in that place. The Spirit hovers in your emptiness. In the emptiness in your family, in the emptiness of your soul, the Spirit is hovering. So we're not saying, great, the Spirit finally showed up. 
because it's been hovering from the very, very beginning. But in a special way, on this day of Pentecost, we, we celebrate this really amazing supernatural way that the Spirit expresses himself. And so we want to read that together. Acts chapter 2. Now when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And some of you are like, I hate when we do that. I would, I don't, it doesn't make me feel very comfortable to be all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a South Dakota wind, oh no, sorry, a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Now how is it that each hears in his own language? Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia. Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. I don't know if you've ever had an experience of life of forgetting a password somewhere. You know, it's like you're trying to log on to the Wells Fargo and you're like, who changed my password? No one. You just forgot what it is. Or if you've had the experience of thinking you had your keys, but you didn't have your keys. This is part of what we want to talk about today. We could pass the microphone around and we could talk, hear all kinds of stories about forgotten passwords and, and closed doors. What's so powerful about this narrative today is with the Spirit showing up in this powerful way, the Spirit has something to say about passwords and doors. Because there is a group of people that did not get along, that did not like one another, that were not together. And when the Spirit shows up, the Spirit is a unifier. The Spirit wants to say, you know what? You have a lot more in common than you would maybe think. Yes, your languages are different, but your heart beats for a lot of the same things. The words you might use for certain things are different, but your desire for human flourishing is the same. There is something difficult and awkward we have to talk about as we get into this, because there are 11 disciples at this moment. 
because we know that something happened to one of the disciples. Someone who walked with Jesus. Someone who was present at all of the meals. Somebody who heard all of the teaching. Somebody who was close, you think about this, close enough to Jesus to smell him. Is no longer a part of things. And so the disciples have to figure out, well, how do we get one more disciple? Because there's somebody who's missing. And so this guy, Matthias, we don't really hear anything else of him in the scripture. There's not like a chapter devoted to his life story. He kind of gets folded in to that group of the 11 disciples. And I think Luke wants us to notice that today. Really two reasons why. First reason why is because when you experience in life a season where someone that you care deeply about is not living in step with the Spirit, you are not alone. Because the disciples all experience together one of their own turning his back and walking away. But it is also present to communicate this truth that in the kingdom of God, there's always room for more. So it's not like 11 and that's it. Matthias gets folded into the community of the disciples. So in the kingdom of God, it's never that there are no more chairs. It's never that the table's full, the booth is full. It is always God creating more places for people so that they would gather around that banquet table like we, say, like we sang today and in the world that is to come to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory, glory and majesty and power unto him forever and ever. So that's the context of this. Brock's going to put up a slide that kind of shows the movements of the narrative in Acts chapter 2. So the first four verses, we see the outpouring of the Spirit. So it's not just the, the presence of the Spirit. There's an outpouring that happens. And then verses 5 through 12, we see the initial response of the crowds. Anybody remember what's said of the crowds? That they are amazed and bewildered. Like they're confused. What is going on? What is happening here? And then Peter has a message. And what's so beautiful and powerful about this is that the message in Peter's heart has come out of a time of deep challenge in a time of deep doubt and deep uncertainty, right? Because Peter's whole thing is what? Like Peter's thing is that Jesus is going to come and he's going to dump Rome. He's going to tackle Rome. He's going to defeat Rome. And Peter's there for it. He's like ready to go. He's in the Bible. He's our ready, fire, aim guy. Like he's set. Jesus doesn't have to even get the word go out of his mouth before he's two miles down the road. Like, this is Peter. 
But something happens with Peter. Peter's given an opportunity to stand with Jesus, and he doesn't stand with Jesus. He says, like, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. They're sitting around a fire. And multiple people, like, hey, I think you were one of the dudes that was with Jesus of Nazareth, right? No, not me. Not me. I think it's somebody else. And this happens not once, not twice, but it happens three times. Peter denies Jesus. But then something amazing happens. Like there's this incredible grace that comes to Peter. Remember what I said about there's always being room. Even for those who have made a mistake. Even for those who have had a moment they would like to do differently next time. Jesus says to Peter in John 21, come and have breakfast. And it's not just because Peter's hungry. It's because Peter's filled with shame. And he's wondering, do I still belong? See, Peter doesn't have the password. Peter has found himself at a locked door of his own heart. Not because of what anybody else has said, but what Peter has said about himself doesn't think that he belongs anymore. And Jesus says, come and have breakfast, and they have breakfast. And then Peter has a message. Like, do you know that sometimes it's hardship and difficulty and doubt and pain and anguish and darkness that becomes the very seeds of a message that you will have in life on planet Earth? That it is not a, a season of sunshine and of rainbows and of the perfect song coming on your Alexa. Been in that moment in life. You're like cleaning and you didn't even pick the song. But it's Alexa knew what you really wanted to hear. All the things lining up perfectly. No, it's going to come. A message is going to come. When there's pain and doubt and hardship, anger, bitterness, and the gracious hand of God would lead you, lead you through such a moment, and then you have a message. Peter's got a message about the risen Jesus, about his grace that has risen to meet him, about his power that has risen to meet him, and Peter can't wait to just tell everybody about it. So, Peter's message is verse 14 to 36. And then in verse 37, I think one of the most beautiful moments in all of the book of the chapter of Acts 2 is that there's a second response of the crowds. And I think what's beautiful about a second response is that we are second response people. You know, sometimes... God's got something for us that he wants us to know. Like a way that he would want us to live and we miss it the first time. Like we notice we've got a, a missed call on our phone. Like we weren't ready to receive the message. The God of the Bible church is the God of again. And we need to also 
be the kinds of people who will give people an opportunity to have a second response. Because how many of you know you're having a conversation with somebody and they're not ready for it the first time? Like anybody in the house have somebody difficult in your life? You don't need to point to the person next to you or anything like that, don't. But my hunch is you have someone difficult in your life. There's some kind of coworker, some kind of friend, some kind of family member. Maybe it's a famous person. What does it mean for you to give them an opportunity to have a second response? Because this is a story of Peter, isn't it? Like Peter's in a small moment, a small group of people, and they say to him, like, hey, aren't you the guy who was with Jesus? Like, weren't you rolling around with Jesus of Nazareth? He's like, no. But then he has a moment where he stands up and preaches this amazing message about the resurrection of Jesus. And not one, not two, not 20, not 50, like thousands of people come to know that power of resurrection. And Peter has been given an opportunity to have a second response, but then the crowds respond differently as well. It's so beautiful. So verse 1, all of that's before verse 1, I guess. When the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. Now that's an interesting phrase. When the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled, like that's what it says in the original language. And that makes me think of Luke chapter 9, verse 51. I have to put this on top because I'm going to continue kicking it. And in Luke 9, verse 51, this is the moment Luke tells us that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. And you're like, why does that matter? It's the marking of a new chapter, a new season, a new moment in the ministry of Jesus. Like his focus is on Jerusalem and what's going to happen there. Like where he's going to give his life, where he is going to die on a Roman cross in the most shameful way that you could die in the first century. Like there's nothing that you could do where more judgment would be heaped on you than to die in that humiliating public way. Like, it was an event. But Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. It marks a new chapter of ministry. And I think Luke is doing that again here. So, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. Verse 2, we see the presence of the Spirit show up in this audible way. So, it's like the sound of a violent wind. And not like a nice little wind when you're out back having a picnic somewhere. But like a violent wind that makes your face do that. Like January 16th, 2023. When you have to dig out the car with all of the snow and there's just a violent. 
So you can hear it. The Spirit of God, something that you can hear. There's the visible presence of the Spirit. So these tongues of fire are coming to land on each individual person. But then there's the verbal presence of the Spirit. And they begin to speak as the Spirit enabled them. So they don't speak as their creativity enabled them. They don't speak as though their desire enabled them. They don't speak as their expertise enabled them. They speak how? As the Spirit enabled them. And when I look in my Bible, it makes me think about all of the times I have spoken out of my creativity. It makes me think about all of the times that I have spoken out of my expertise. All of the times that I have spoken out of my own experience. Out of my own perspective. And not because the Spirit was enabling me. It's a powerful moment in the early church. But then there's this beautiful shift after the fourth verse. That before that, the Spirit is in the house, right? That's what it says. They were, they were all together in one place, kind of like Christmas Eve. They're all together. But then there's a movement from inside of the house to in the street. Uh, there's this New Testament scholar that I love. Her name's Beverly Roberts Gavinta. She's amazing. This is what she says. In some unexplained way, the walls of the house dissolve and the community finds itself outdoors and in the presence of Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And church, I believe this is a call to not just stay in the house. To not just be all together in one place. Have you ever noticed there is this thing, there is a gift within children that they like to explore what's out there. And often adults are the ones who are like, hey, come back in the house, please. We're, try we're trying to get to go somewhere. Like when you're getting ready to go somewhere and you're five minutes from leaving, that's when that engine starts in their little hearts, isn't it? Oh, I just forgot. I have 17 piles of stuff in the backyard that I have to just get just real fast. No one's experienced this than me. Okay, that's fine. But children have this engine, this desire to like go and see what's out there. And I just wonder as we think about following Jesus, like I wonder if we could capture a little bit of that imagination. To not just stay in the house. To not just stay where it's comfortable and where it makes sense and where we've experienced things a certain kind of way. But what if the Spirit is going to enable us to get out into the streets? That's what Beverly says happens. That the walls, what happens? The walls dissolve. And the message and the grace and the power of the risen Jesus takes up residence in the street. And some of you are saying, oh good, this is when he's going to start talking about street preachers. 
No. Can I tell you that there is a street at your workplace? Can I tell you there's a way to operate as a follower of Jesus in the place that you work, where you stay within your house? Can I tell you that there are streets in your families, that there are opportunities for you to stay quiet, for you to hold on to this comfort as you interact in your families, and there's a way for you to get out into the streets because you have a message, because you have an experience. If you've been given grace, then give grace. If you experience love, then extend love. Even to those difficult places. So Luke wants to tell us, like, don't just watch or study the wind. Like, get out into the wind. Like, let it sweep through your heart, your life, your imagination. But Luke also asks this question to us. I think Brock has it on the slide. Like, what doors need dissolving in our world? Like all kinds of doors in our world. All kinds of things that keep people out. All kinds of categories. All kinds of life experiences. And I think Luke is making it abundantly and powerfully clear in this moment that the Spirit wants to nudge us And the Spirit wants to dissolve those doors. Because in this moment, all of these people, the scripture says, all of the nations under heaven. So you're asking me, well, how many is that? I don't know. I think there's like something like 7,000 languages. That's a lot of languages. And they're all together. Why? Because the Spirit has united them. Not because they all agree, not because they all think the same way, not because they all grew up in the same house, but because they have been given a seat at the table in the kingdom of God. And so the Spirit is this great unifier. Verse 13, the crowds respond to the Spirit. Now something that you are going, we're going to see together in the book of Acts, again and again and again, is opposition to the things of God. Scoffing sneering at what the apostles say and do. But we're also going to see the victory that they have in Jesus' name. And I would just say this today, that verse 13 says, like, oh, what? Well, maybe they've had too much to drink. Maybe that's why they're acting this way. And can I just tell you, in this world that we live in, Like, let's get comfortable with people not understanding the way that we live. Because it didn't make sense to the crowds. And so if we are waiting 
for the choices that we make and for the way that we live our lives to make sense to a watching world. Can I just tell you, you're going to be waiting a long time for that. What if we could get comfortable with the very truth that what we don't need is for everybody else to get it. But we need to live out of the power of the Spirit. And of course, the Spirit is going to nudge you into moments when you're terrified. You got in some line for an amusement park ride, and it was okay at the beginning, but then as you get closer and closer and closer, you're like, I think i got to go to the bathroom. Or let me get a corn dog. Or you want to find any kind of a way to get out of that line. Like, let's be people who live out of resurrection in such a way that we're willing to step towards things that are scary. Not because we have it all figured out, we have all the answers, we're experiencing comfort, but because we know there's a spirit-empowered work taking place deep and deep, deep within us. So it's not our expertise, not our knowledge, not our experience, not our perspective, but the spirit spirit of God that helps us step forward in Jesus' name and for Jesus' name. Because Paul wants to say in Romans chapter 12 to offer your bodies as a sacrifice that's living, a sacrifice that's holy, and a sacrifice that's pleasing. And I would tell you What pleases the heart of God is people living and working and moving according to the power that he has given them. Instead of waiting for everyone else to get it. And no, this is not the moment in the message where we all get up and we go out into the street and do a closing prayer, although I thought about it. I want you to live that way. In the book of Acts... It's going to challenge us. It's going to press on some places. It's going to dissolve some of the doors. And I will just tell you, from now until this whole election thing that we have going on, there's going to be a lot of conversations about doors, about things that keep people in or out. So will you remember this call? We remember Luke's perspective that in the kingdom of God, he's come to tear those things down. Not so that there are, it's clear who is in and who is out, who gets it, who doesn't get it, but so that there's space all around the table so that you can say, yes, I've received grace from him too. And he spoke to me in my own language. Let's be those kinds of people. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're grateful today for the opportunity to be in this room together and to consider the kinds of people that you have called on us to be. People who would move from the house to the street, people who would join you in your work of door dissolvement in Jesus' name. 
And God, we pray this over our world in a time of so much division, so much anger, so much misunderstanding for a world that deeply wants to disciple us. Would you give us the courage and the strength to say no to those forces and to say yes to you? To be more formed and discipled by the words of Jesus than by the words of a culture, by the words of our experience, by the words of our perspective. Would you help us get comfortable with opposition and with it not making sense? And would you give us courage to move from here to the places where you've called us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.